1: Welcome to the Bike Rider podcast, brought to you by the team behind bikerader.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. My name's Tom Marvin. I'm senior technical editor here at BikeRadar.com and MBUK Magazine. Joining me in the podcast studio today, we have three other mountain bike tech titans from Bike Radar and MBUK. We've got our tech writer, Luke Marshall. How are you getting on, Luke?
2: Yeah, I'm very well, thanks, Tom.
1: Excellent stuff. We have all the way from Scotland, Al Evans. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Special appearance today. Special appearance. We love having you here, Rolled Harrell. out on the red carpet. Yeah, oh, we did. <laughs>
2: Flares. <laughs> Put away Chopper.
3: Yeah, but yeah no, no, no duvets in the closet this time,
1: yeah. <laughs> Plenty of things in the closet, Albert. Yeah, no, no duvets. <laughs> and also joining us is our uh, Technical Editor-in-Chief, Rob Weaver. How are you getting on, Rob?
0: I'm
2: good, thank you, Tom. Excellent. Luke, what have you been up to recently? Uh, I've actually just been very busy. Just finished up uh, a test on suspension forks, and as you'll probably hear later, on cheaper, more entry-level mansion bikes. Excellent. How's that been? It's been good, actually, yeah. Surprisingly humbling. Yeah. Um, was yeah thoroughly impressed with the said so these bikes were around fifteen hundred pounds mm-hmm. and uh and they surprised me with how capable they are and how uh and how up to date they are lovely so you might hear more of that later okay and then yeah the fork testing was was good as well yeah you'd be surprised or unsurprised to hear that you know most of those products are are, are very good and very capable and uh it's quite difficult to Separate them all. Yeah, basically. I think there is a kind of almost like two sides to the fork thing, some that rely more on the damper and some that rely more on the spring. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a preference one or the other, you'll prefer some to others, but... Okay. But uh, but overall, you know, it's an impressive it's a kit out there.
1: Spent a lot of time rattling down hills, basically, the last few weeks.
2: The last few weeks, yes. Yeah, spent a lot of time rattling down hills, and an even longer time at the laptop. Uh, yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's good. All right, Al, what have you been doing? What's been What's been ticking your boxes? Uh,
3: well, let, when does this get uh, When does this get published?
1: Uh, next week. Next week. Uh, oh, I don't know exactly. Okay, great. Uh, that Let's case, not break any embargoes. In so. that case,
3: maybe something I can talk about. Yeah. Maybe things that I can't. Uh, but I, I've been putting in some decent miles. Well, actually, I had a week off last week nice um so that was that was great oh I did did loads of biking there's did a you? surprise yeah um so yeah very very good
1: up in the tweed valley or were you so, somewhere else uh dodging around the country
3: pinballing Nice. secret location oh yeah not telling oh right yeah fair enough
1: that's all right yeah sounds yeah. like a great holiday yeah buzzkill you're not invited <laughs> yeah no well let's move swiftly on rob <laughs> <laughs> it's hard
0: to follow then um <laughs> What have I been doing? Uh, I've just wrapped up a test on the new Cannondale Matera LT, mm-hmm. which has been cool, um, and a few other bits and pieces in terms of products, stuff like that. Um, we're currently working flat out trying to get another magazine out this week and then one in two weeks' time yep. after that. So yeah, that's taken up quite a bit of time.
1: Yeah. And then we'll be straight on to Bike of the Year straight after Christmas, won't we?
0: Yeah. So all that. Yeah. We've been ordering bikes furiously. Mm. Um hopefully not getting too disappointed by bike brands if anyone's any bike brands are listening please make sure you return our emails uh with a yes we'll provide a bike no problem thanks exactly when you need it no problem great
1: be great if they did i've got one yeah i've got one too an email uh, <laughs> No, i a natural bike uh, i have an actual bike
0: i've i've got one and uh someone's just whatsapp me a picture of the bike saying when do you want
1: it wow nice yesterday yeah nice 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 uh big big shout out to Cotic si for sending me a bike hey yeah very impressed. Oh yeah, same for me. Yeah, thanks, Sorry. Oh, well, he's honest. <laughs> At the moment, size winning.
2: Si, yeah, well done, Si. <laughs> How about you, Tom? What have you been up to?
1: Uh, I've recently been testing winter boots, um, which has largely meant uh, peddling around uh, the woods in shoes in the dry because it didn't actually rain while I was testing them, and then standing in a bucket in my shower um, waiting for my feet to get wet. What's the verdict? The verdict is um, Scott's uh, winter boots are excellent. Like really very good um there are other ones that um are good in some ways but maybe not in others like City's shoes for example like very warm uh despite having quite a low bulk but my feet got wet very quickly oh dear so if you want warm shoes and you've got small volume feet great yeah if you want dry shoes for hiking across scottish bogs uh wellies I, uh, wellies <laughs> yeah or, or scots uh winter boots yeah so that was my. Um, that's what I've been doing. Standing. Scott doing well. I've got the onesie. They do some great oh, yeah, stuff. The onesie, Yeah. We were talking
0: about this upstairs. Yeah, Luke yeah, hasn't yeah. got a onesie
2: yet.
1: No, mm. unlucky mate. I'm so <laughs> in my just you know
2: pedestrian normal clothes, and all you three <laughs> have your fancy onesies, and I have to go out and just like. Still just wearing your pants. jacket. Not even wearing a chamois, are you? <laughs> <laughs> just in your <a> briefs. Skin's <laughs> waterproof,
1: Luke. Skin's waterproof. It's fine. Exactly, yeah. Um, well, we I just feel-
0: look like a bunch of like. Middle aged toddlers. <laughs> yes. I'm fine with that. A little rom-
2: romper suits. <laughs> yeah.
3: That's absolutely fine. I would say on the Scott having a uh, massive thunder thighs, the uh, the thigh portion's quite quite tight. It's Is quite it? quite sporty looking. I oh, wouldn't know. Um <laughs> Al did go for the extra small one for some yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <not. laughs> Toddler, toddler, quite
1: <laughs> Have you tried um have you tried the layout one?
3: I tried on the layout one in my living Shower. room. Yeah, no, I haven't I haven't worn it outside yet. Just to get a feel for size, just yeah. to make sure. And uh it's it's a chunky piece of kit. It's got some thickness to that material. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And what other ones have you got, Al? Uh, I've got a dirt ledge. It's so
3: bitter. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah, I got a dirt ledge. <laughs> I've got this other one. I've got a couple of others just kicking about. No, I have only got that that other one. those um, <laughs> seven. eight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I've got the cheaper layout one. Yeah. Um, and it's on my uh, on my floor at the moment. I haven't put it on yet. Uh, but I haven't got the Scott one it's on the I'm floor. A bit of, yeah, is that where you store it. <laughs> Honestly, my room's a mess. I oh am um, <laughs> a bit. Uh, I am envious of the Scott one. It looks quite good, but I am looking forward to the layout one. I also, if it helps Luke, have a dirt ledge, two endurers, uh a Vaude one, uh, and uh, layout as well. Definitely helps you. It doesn't help Luke. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Um, right, we, <laughs> we're going to move on from all of that, and uh, we're going to go to the topic of today's podcast. Now it is towards the end of twenty twenty two, and this is the time of year when we look back. Uh, and look at some of our highlights Um, so in the coming weeks we will have some road tech highlights we'll also have a news review of the year looking at the best bits of sort of bike news that aren't super tech focused but today we're going to look at the best bits of mountain bike tech that have come out in 2022 which is why we've got all our mountain bike tech team here Hey! So we've each got two interesting bits of tech that you can read about fully on Bikeredo.com, of course, but we thought we'd summarise them here and then point you in the direction of where you can find out more information, um, which is Bikeredo.com. But we'll start with Luke. I think we'll go around the table one at a time, two bits each. Let's keep it
2: relatively snappy. Okay, so my first bit is... Um, it's not new tech, but it's kind of how tech's been employed in cheaper mountain bikes. Okay. So as I mentioned earlier, I've just come or just finished, say, wrapping up a, a £1,500, there or thereabouts, group test, um, four mountain bikes. And it was really refreshing to see that three out of four of those had really good modern geometry, mm-hmm. felt very capable on the trail. So, yeah. Yeah, so spec-wise, there's really good trickle-down technology. I mean, they're not as... Um, doesn't get all the expensive parts, but you know, there'll be one by drive change with like 10 or 11 or 12 speaker sets with a wide-range cassette that'll have like an 1150 watt on it as well. So um dropper posts on all of them. Some mm-hmm. come with a good length dropper post, 150, others have a bit shorter at 125. This is for like a medium frame bike, but still dropper post. Um good tires, two of the three of those came with like Maxxis tires, uh DHF, DHR2 combo or D8. Um, oh, old school. High roller twos, front and back. Nice. There's also a grippy set of V-flow snap tyres on there as well. Um, so the components, yeah, are good. They kind of let you uh, uh, ride the trails pretty pretty aggressively. And the geometry, again, is I know Al's brought this up in the past. It's like, why haven't cheap bikes had geometry changes to uh, make them more capable? Because geometry is th- free, right? Exactly. So, um so yeah, it's good to see that these bikes kind of were more up to date. So they're kind of short, 130 mil, 140 mil travel trail bikes, but they all kind of have like a, a 66 or 65 degree head angle. Seat posts range from like 75 and a half to 77 and a half degrees in the effective seat tube. Um, reach numbers are around 455, 460, Change stays from 435 to 445. So like all numbers are kind of, uh, yeah, pretty good on paper and really capable and, um, it was amazing. Like, it's pretty humbled riding these bikes. It, as the trails get harder, the disparity between them, like between that and a high level bike, grows. Okay. But on the blue trails, you know, you'd be hard to tell the difference, really. really? Yeah. And on the red trails, you're probably getting like 90% of the fun for like
1: a third of the price. A third
2: of the price, yeah. So, bang for buck. They're really good value. And was uh, was, yeah, impressed. And uh, it was good to see that kind of tech finally trickling down in the geometry shape being employed on those cheaper bikes. Nice.
1: We're going to be seeing the reviews of those bikes trickling onto Bike Radar in the coming weeks. And they'll be going into MBUK 416?
2: 416. So there should be MBUK in the issue that comes out just before Christmas. Nice. And then they'll be up on Bike Radar as well. Yeah, Excellent stuff.
1: Yeah? Sick. All right. Well, if there's no questions. Everyone loves shredding. Everyone loves shredding.
3: Um, What would you do to improve them further?
1: Nice.
2: Oh, good question. Um, Longer dropper posts. There's kind of more spec changes. Um, there's just small things. Obviously, they have to make compromises. So, um, brakes are still one that aren't quite as uh, good as they should be. You know, you can get up to speed on these hills, uh, <laughs> get up to speed on these bikes down some pretty rough trails. It's good, but the brakes are still a bit of a limiting factor. So, problem is you spec more or higher spec brakes, mm-hmm. and then the price goes up. So, somehow budgeting in stronger braking and still trying to keep the uh, the price similar would be uh, my first point of call for them. Could
0: they up the rotor size? Could they-,
2: they could do, yeah. So some of them still come like a 160 rotor, 180 front uh, on the rear, a rear 160 rear rotor, 180 on the front. Um, bigger rotors would uh, would be better.
1: I guess the thing we do in that is that the frame, unless they sort of change the frame and the forks to have you know direct mount 180-200, you're going to have to add in adding adapters to the build process for the bikes, which, you know, it might only cost a, couple, a dollar for the adapter, but it's going to cost X amount to get it actually fitted to the bike as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's they work very. but they, they mostly all have like one um, 48 booster for hub spacing, threaded bottom brackets. Some have really neatly done external cable routing. Some is threaded internally. Um, but like all the all the things you would expect to find on a on a more expensive bike are still there. So.
3: And the, the brake stopping issue is only really a problem for shredders like you as well, Luke, who rides <laughs> eight, <laughs> eight <laughs> million miles an hour. Yeah, so <laughs> us uh, us slow lane slow lane riders,
2: no issues with the brakes. I, I think you're uh, selling yourself short there. Well, you we aren't. haven't all won an <laughs>
1: EWS this year, have we, Luke? So yeah,
0: but it's good to see how far those bikes have come, right? Oh yeah, I really impressive. In the, what in the if you went back five years, you wouldn't get half of that. No. You especially not the geometry, but you might not even get a drop of post on all those bikes. Mm. So, yeah, big, big even step. Like two or three that. years. Yeah, maybe, yeah.
2: Yeah, no, really good to see. And uh, I think for like people getting into the sport, it's really positive. Nice.
3: All right, Al, what's your first tech highlight for 2022? Okay, number one is. <laughs> <laughs> number one tech highlight in no particular order, but this is definitely number one in my list. Although not number one, maybe it is. In
0: your heart? could be who knows i don't know
3: so well it, i mean it, it's uh, it, you know predictable rock is new suspension oh, okay i guess you know it, i thought you were gonna go for the other one no i was gonna keep that one a secret <laughs> that could actually be my number one but maybe it's not i don't know it's like the riding spots i'm not telling you <laughs> well i will in 10 minutes time <laughs> um, so yeah the the rock is new suspension so that was quite a big deal for the for the brand and Um, you know there's loads of technology that they've released on these things so you've got the Buttercups, which are like vibration dampers in the bottom of the forks on the spring and the damper side you've got a new damper entirely in the cartridge there's new air springs they've really gone to town on these new things but i think maybe for me the highlight is the hydraulic bottom out on the ultimate level rear shocks particularly the coil sprung ones um, and this hydraulic bottom out system basically works similar to volume reducer spacers in an air spring, in that the further you get to the bottom out, the more resistance there is, and you can tune this on the uh, coil sprung versions. It's adjustable, so you can either have it off or all the way on, depending on how much bottom out resistance you want. And what this is good for is uh, bikes with relatively um, linear leverage rates, so you know bikes with less progression. Who, that aren't usually su- suited to coil springs that, you know, have a linear, linearly progressive rate of change mm-hmm. as the spring compresses. Um, and it basically means that you can run coil shocks on bikes that you previously maybe would have struggled to get set up. Um, and, you know, to boot, they've also gone bonkers with the dampers on these new shocks. There's a massive range of adjustment on them. Um, Like I think each tune has an overlap of two positions on the damper adjuster. So if you've got a light tune and you've got the compression damping fully closed, you're going to be at the bottom of the medium tune. Um, So there's a huge amount of adjustability there. Um, And and you can feel it, right? This is the big thing. This is
0: the big thing is you can genuinely feel those adjustments.
3: Yeah. So going for a bite radar radar bingo, Um, the Marin... Sorry, Marin. <laughs> Here you go. Here we go. Marin Alpine Trail XR, which is the bike that I used to test a lot of this kit on. 17% progressive through its travel. So, you know, fairly progressive, but not massively suited to coil springs if you're a heavy or harder rider. Put this thing on it. You can run a 50-pound a a lighter spring on it with this shock compared to, um, you know, a shock without hydraulic bottom out. Okay. Um, which is quite a big improvement
1: how deep into the travel is it before that hydraulic that bump stop system starts I, it's around
3: right. the last 20% right of, of, of the to. shocks of the shocks um okay. stroke basically um and and you can like i say you can have it you can have it fully open with the adjuster or fully closed and you can genuinely feel it and it, it's it's not quite like hitting a wall, but it, you, it's definitely there, and mm. it does make the bike feel bottomless because there isn't that harsh bang that you get when you when you bottom out. Um, I've been super impressed with that, and you know I really like riding that shock on on that Marin that I, that I used to test kit on.
1: Are there any other shocks doing that at the moment, like the likes of EXT and yeah. and all that? Are they
3: yeah, I think um, yeah, EXT has a hydraulic bottom out system, but from like the big mainstream brands. Mm-hmm. Just Rock Shocks at the moment, um, and the big thing for me is the price as well. So, the Super Deluxe Ultimate um, Coil is around five hundred and fifty really? quid. five hundred and fifty quid. It's not much, is it? So it's quite a bit cheaper than Fox's factory uh, DHX and DHX two shocks. Yeah. Um, they're more in the range of seven hundred to eight hundred. Um, so you know
0: that's quite impressive. And it will potentially work on more bikes, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's more sort of feasible upgrade.
3: Yep. Yep. The only thing I will say, um, not in RockShox's favour, is their coil springs are in £50 increment. Mm-hmm. Um, so say you're riding a 500, but actually you need a 475 rather than a 450. You may be going to struggle to find one. There are aftermarket options available, of course, yeah. but uh, Fox have those closer increments. So, yeah.
0: As do Olin's, right?
3: As do Olin's and uh, Stendek as well, yep. the Super Alloy Racing Springs. And I believe... Um, I believe there's one more, but it's totally gone out of my head.
1: Can Greek
2: do they do that? Right? Yes,
3: that's right. Thank you, Luke. Very good. There
1: he is. Yeah. Cheers, Luke. Lovely. There good go. stuff. Rob, what's uh, one of your highlights?
0: So for me, it has to be uh, the introduction of TQ Motors. So we hadn't really heard much of the brand uh, prior to them fitting a motor to the new Trek Fuel EXE. Um, but what they've created, their HPR50, is a Dinky little unit and makes a hell of a difference, I think, Uh, just to the way uh, these lighter or or mid-weight, mid-assist e-bikes ride. I mean, so this thing is almost completely silent. You you can sort of hear a bit of a whining from it, but it basically doesn't rev as high as um, a lot of the other motors out there. I think it's uh, something like three times slower in, in how it operates so it just doesn't make that same sort of noise it's small so they don't have to you know bike brands don't have to compromise geometry and it means when you've got a, a what they say is like a mid assist so yeah the 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 compact nature of it means that the bike brands like Trek don't need to compromise on geometry so when you when they say they're giving you a bike that is in theory going to ride more like a regular bike without a motor now we're actually getting those bikes I think before maybe some of that was uh, maybe too good to be true in a lot of instances, but it feels like now we're in a much better place. And since Trek have launched the Fuel AXE, we've now since seen um, just recently the Scott Lumen and the BMC four-stroke Amp also using that. And then you've got bikes like, uh, so it's not the same motor, but Pivot are using the Fazua Ride 60 on their Shuttle-LT, which I've only heard good things about. So... I think that sort of burgeoning e-bike category is only going to be helped more by the likes of TQ and Fazer doing what they're doing with the smaller motors. So hopefully that category is going to expand over the next year or so. And we're going to get even more of these types of bikes, which is just, for me, is kind of a really exciting thing.
3: And the, the SL e-bike category is an interesting one, right? It's kind of like if all your pals have a, a full power e-bike and you're on an SL, there's, you know, you are maybe going to struggle, you're going to struggle to either go for the same amount of time with them or keep up with them without putting in a massive amount of effort. But if all your mates have one, or, you know, maybe your mates are riding normal bikes and you're getting back into it or recovering from an injury or something and trying to build up your fitness, then, you know, they make total sense. And equally, if you want to go out for an all day epic and want to ride a slightly lighter bike, you know, it, it's, it's quite, it's, it's an interesting category. And I think, you know, some people are scratching their head and, you know, some people are saying, "Well, hang on a second, is it going to get you know as full as the full power e bike category?" Um, and this is maybe an
0: indication that it is potentially. Yeah, I think a a big thing is that um, anyone who spends a good amount of time on a full powered e bike will soon realise that it's it's a different ride experience. Totally. Um, you know, dealing with all that weight on the descents is is quite a different experience, quite a different way to handle a bike. Whereas these, yeah, they're a bit heavier but there's way more in common with a regular mountain bike. So it really, you know, it's much closer to bridging that sort of halfway house. So I can see the appeal. I can see why people are going to slowly sort of buy into this, especially if they're riding with friends that are fitter, stronger, like you said, maybe getting back into it. It, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And you don't then, you aren't sort of lumped with a really big heavy e-bike because having spoken to a few people I know that uh lucky enough to be able to switch between the two. There's definitely a point, I think, where they, they jump back on a regular bike and go, oh, you kind of, you, you sort of miss that feel of the lighter bike, the the more agile, um, nimble feeling you get from riding a bike like that versus the big sort of runaway train, you know, struggling to slow down like on a full power bike Whereas, yeah, maybe this will properly bridge that gap and hopefully we're gonna see more people out on them. Yeah, interesting.
3: Uh, just a little story. Uh, I got a little bit addicted to riding bikes this summer. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this. I was, I don't know. I think I did like 60 days straight without a rest. Anyway, got tennis elbow from riding e-bikes so much. And now uh, now my elbow's a bit sore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That'll
2: teach you. Yeah. The curse yeah. of being in the Tweed Valley, hey? Yeah, tennis elbow.
3: Yeah. yeah. Tennis elbow from riding e-bikes. Who'd have thought it? It's gone away now. I've stopped riding them. Oh, good.
0: Yeah. Funny.
1: What was it about the e-bike that was giving you? Sense, I think it's just a bit heavier, like okay. more physical.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. I find I find like um, if I do you know, like a battery draining ride, when you've done you know, eighteen hundred, two thousand meters of up and down, it's uh, my hands from breaking. Mm. That's the that's the thing that really starts to get me. It's it's like being in the Alps, yeah, but just a descent like a minute, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> a minute times fifty. Yeah, yeah. Need to take a leaf out of Luke's book and just go a bit faster, mate. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Sorry. Break less. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good stuff. Tom, what about you? Well, I think my first one uh, is similar in a way to, uh, to Luke's, you know, with his budget bikes getting better. Um, one thing I've noticed the past year, year and a half, couple of years is XC bikes getting a lot better with basically modern geometry. Um, and more suspension travel so cross-country bikes traditionally at least over the past sort of decade or so have been 100 mil front and back and that's been sort of ubiquitous across the entirety uh, of cross-country mountain bikes but there's been a couple of bikes in the last year year and a half that have come out with 120 mil and now 20 mil isn't a huge amount of difference really it's 20 percent. but it actually makes i think a palpable difference on the trail you can really notice it um so the one that was really launched this year that was sort of the biggest one was the new Orbea Ois or with uh, Bike, radar bingo. bike radar bingo. Tom's mentioned Orbea. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, I haven't said Lauf yet, so <laughs> we're all right. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, there you go. Full house. <laughs> um, so they just bought out um, a revamped version of their XC race bike with 120 mm suspension front and back. The kind of like the reasoning behind it is, well, kind of why not? The, the pedaling platform itself is very, very similar to the 100 mil version. So it pedals, Just as well. It's just got a bit more travel at the back. And because you've got that more travel, you've basically got a bit more of a get out of jail free card. And with sort of geometry and everything, and, you know, XC tracks getting more and more gnarly, having like a, a slightly more aggressive geometry that kind of allows for that, you know, longer travel makes the package. Much more valid, I guess. You've still got lightweight tyres. So, you know, the the Maxxis Recon Race, for example, is on a lot of XC race bikes. Uh, but the, the the product that Orbea sort of really credited for their ability to make a 120mm XC race bike was the Fox 34 Stepcast fork. So it's got a 34mm stanchion instead of the 32mm stanchions. Um, but it still has it's, it's a, a real small weight penalty for that. But it allows that stiffer chassis to be able to carry the extra tra- travel without it going like totally noodly the step cast bit is where they've narrowed the fork overall to help save weight from from the crown and the brace. And the the lowers are sort of stepped lower down. Um so the the rotor on on the brake side kind of almost sits in like a little pocket almost within the fork. And it just helps keep the whole package a bit narrow while still keeping that boost spacing. Um so the other bike that well, the obviously other bike that did that was the Scott Spark. Um, that was a really cool bike that launched, what, 18 months ago or something. That's the one with the internal hidden shock. And that again is 120mm front and back, um, even in the RC, the real like World Cup racy one. Um, and the other bike. That that Nino Shutter one, the World won the world's on. Um, and the other sort of vaguely notable bike of XC bikes getting a bit longer in travel, but using this 34 step cast would be the Giant Anthem, which got a 110 mil travel at the front and yeah in, in terms of sort of geometry okay there's there's a bit more travel but that's backed up with you know geometries that are sort of approaching trail bikes from a couple of years ago so you're talking you know reaches of 470 to 480 mil in a size large 67 degree head angles 76 77 degree seat angles you know these are all numbers that you know a few years ago we'd have seen in our trail bike of the year test but we're now seeing on purebred XC race bikes again just mirroring the fact that cross-country is pretty gnarly these days like if you look at Novia Mesto or some of the other sort of big tracks they're they're hard like they're hard to ride and I think everyone's sort of realizing that this plus dropper posts of course another sort of big talking point in XC just making it pretty rad again which is great in my opinion looking at geometry obviously the, the, the classic one for that was the specialized epic that the, the most recent one of those that got launched two years ago you know proper like trail bike geometry um and yeah we're seeing more and more xc bikes shaped like that um, but with a bit more trouble elevate every morning with tommy john's second skin underwear
0: Wicked. Beautiful.
2: Do you think they're plateau here or do you think they keep going more and more towards trail bikes as trail bikes go more and more towards Enduro bikes?
3: Uh, and con- to continue that, um, one of um, the bike industry's most loved uh, human beings, Paul Aston, mm. in a recent podcast on the downtime, reckoned that all head angles across all disciplines are going to equalise at a similar point. Really? So he was saying like 62 to 63 degree-ish head angle on all disciplines. Do you think that's where they're going to plateau, Tom? Mm, no, no,
1: not. I, I, I can't see that happening. I think there's a number of reasons for that. Like, I think there's still sort of the desire for an XC bike to feel quick and agile, and as good as sort of you know long slap bikes are down a hill, they don't feel like that. And I think there'll be a lot of resistance to that. I, just, I just can't see that happening to that extreme. I think. I'd be surprised, really, if we see much going beyond, say, the the shape of the Specialized Epic. And, you know, the NS synonym as well is another, like, super long, pretty slack XC bike. But I can't see them getting much more radical than that, particularly. And in terms of suspension travel, I'm, again, I'm not sure. I think the, the payoff is obviously that there is extra weight. You still need to have sort of the stiffness, but with lightweight and I think when you start getting lots of travel, something's got to break at some point, something's got to give. So I'd, I'd be surprised. And also there's a the whole thing, if you know that at the back, you know, when you're talking about pedaling efficiency and stuff, the more travel you have, you you know, if you're saying, well, it's it's, it's going to bob a little bit, it's going to sag a little bit, the more travel, the more it's going to be sagging because there is more travel in for it to sag into. And that ultimately takes energy. So I, I'm I'm not convinced that they'll go super long travel and super long and sack on the XC race bikes.
3: Okay. One more question. Hmm. Do you think that, they're going to cannibalize downcountry. So is cross-country well, going so, to just tread on the toes of downcountry? Or is
1: downcountry going to tread on the toes of XC? And how do you define what downcountry is? Because that's the other thing Like I wasn't going to touch on in this, but like downcountry well, we has, really has a split within it, right? So I've got the YT Izzo uncaged on test at the moment. And the Izzo kind of was like their lightweight trail bike, like 130-ish mil trail bike. And it in my opinion, it wasn't a great trail bike, but it wasn't really a great downcountry bike either and they've made the uncaged version which has like it's got a sid on there it's got uh recon races it's got like super lightweight racy kit and again like it's it's actually basically an xc race bike now um and it's pretty good for that it's 120 mil front and back
3: yeah it's interesting isn't it? so
1: maybe like lightweight downcountry bikes are like now, like rad XE bikes, and now maybe down country bikes. But then he's like the SB120 from Yeti with its 130 more fork and a, a minion and, and like four pop brakes. Is that, you know, like what is down country? That is the existential crisis oh my facing what the mountain it? bike industry. <laughs> Who knows? Is it just a mountain bike? Oh, God, the lines are blurred. They are. Yeah. So my vision. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Quick, get my fan. <laughs> so that was my highlight for 2022. One of, One of. XC bikes getting pretty rad again. Because they're good fun. Yeah, nice. Um,
2: should we loop back around? So should we go to the same order again? Should we loop back to Luke? Okay, so my second one's just going to be uh, I'd do this quick. It's a little bit of tech that's kind of come out and it's gone a bit under the radar. And it's kind of to do with like e bikes trying to neaten up their cockpits mm. and um, remove clutter. So recently, Shimano and Bosch have released two new remotes that operate wirelessly. So this takes a cable away from the handlebar, so your little thumb shifter remote on the uh, next to the grip on the handlebar uh connects now wirelessly to the brain in the bike as such that controls the motor so you can change your mode select you can turn the bikes on and off you can use walk mode from it and uh and it's just a little bit of tech say that's uh that i think is a, a smart bit of tech really it's uh, there's quite a lot of wireless technology in bikes now and uh and yeah if you can clean up cockpits of uh of bikes in general. I think if you're trying to clean up cockpits in general, sometimes uh the bike industry I think has plans to do it where they're threading lots of cables through headsets and things mm. like that. And I was about to say I thought you were gonna say that. That's what I was trying to get onto. Like, oh, here we go. And uh <laughs> one brand uh spoke to me that said that the kind of how it is at the minute is a is a halfway house to what something will be coming down the line that will be okay. much better. Um what that is, we don't know you'll wait and see in a few no years. Cable. No cables, maybe. Wouldn't that be wonderful?
3: So on a a recent press trip to an unnamed brand, they were kind of talking about things that they've had in the pipeline for so long that, quote, the industry isn't ready for. And by the industry, they don't mean necessarily the media. They they mean consumers in that it's so out there, so wacky, but so brilliant and amazing that people just Mm. be like, no, don't be so silly. That's crazy. But actually, in terms of what it does and what it offers, it would be game changing.
0: It's a motorized unicycle. Exactly, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> With a unicorn horn and um a flag. T- yeah, flag, yeah. A <laughs> <laughs> big flag. Um, so yeah, you know, so that what they have to do is is drip feed us these things so that we we can accept them. So mm. you know, like maybe the headset cable routing is the first step into eliminating cables well actually maybe it was wireless 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 gears a few mm. years ago
1: but um the flip side of that is that people get annoyed when things are drip fed. And then something big comes out. And why didn't you just give it as that? Because you weren't ready, mate. Well, exactly. Some people might have been.
0: Some people. But now I can't change the the, the height of my stem without having to rip everything Uh, apart. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So it is a good little bit of uh, like Bike Radar buying advice chat. So my cousin's looking for uh, an e-bike to cycle around on, you know, just like a hybrid or something. And he wants to be able to put a kid's ride shotgun style seat on the front of it. But a lot of these like e-bikes, say from Canyon, for example, the commuter on or whatever it's called, their cables run through the stem and the headset and the kids ride shotgun style seats. Some of them clamp to the steerer tube. Mm. And you can't do that Mm. if the cables are running through the stem because you need to have a space in the stem stacker or, you know, the headset cup. And it's quite it's actually quite, quite prohibitive when you when you really think about certain applications and, you know. That was it. I'm saying my story. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going into like a tech Q&A oh, no! Yeah. No, 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 no. Well, maybe we should have, well, We should have saved that needs a bike. Yeah. <laughs> oh god.
2: So yeah. So this is just uh, another yeah, step in the system of uh, removing cables from handlebars and uh and why not. Nice. I'm all for it.
1: There's a lot of cables on an e-bike.
2: Yeah. How
3: uh how do you charge those wireless remotes?
2: Uh they have little uh I don't know much about them. I've seen them on a couple of bikes from launches I've been on. Um I think they just have a little a battery in them. Lou just told me you just hand back the bike. Uh and yeah, get a but, new one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah. not how it works though? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it lasts how, yeah. like twenty twenty hours, and then you just give it back and yeah. <laughs> you get a new one. Yeah, classic. Yeah. 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 So new I new think they communicate through app. Bluetooth. So uh as Robin was saying you might be able to hack them Yeah. yeah. Changing a your mate's gears or modes. Hmm. Little battery watch or something, right? Yeah. Last ages. And we might be able to keep up with Alex then when we only yeah, let him have yeah. eco, but we still can't. Well this is so this is back to my thing
0: about if you could hack your mates' e bikes, you could always go out on your your sort of a like mid assist. If you could prohibit them from touching turbo. Yeah. Maybe you could use your sort of your lighter weight e bike and yeah. get out there. You know, you I mean the torque on those things is pretty
1: good now. Yeah. Fifty or sixty newton meters. Or just have mates that don't piss off into the distance. Mate.
0: Yeah, Al and I rode together. You were on, you were on uh, a white. Yeah, I was just uh, snoozing, mate, See, <laughs> on the I, way up. Not joking, I'm just teasing. I you. was working hard. <laughs> yeah. In turbo,
3: uh, we we were in like the EMTB mode or maybe trail, mm. the one beneath.
0: Yeah, I had to turbo, but it was all right. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was fine. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. We were holding conversations. Very, very, very chilly. Very chilly. And it
0: helped that I kept getting flat tires. Yes, you did yeah. get several. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was that. Uh, that helped with the conversation. Yeah. It made it flow a bit more. Yeah got dark read down dark woods yeah. in the pitch black carrots couldn't see anything yeah a couple of carrots
1: yeah yeah no one died or cried I don't think so no yeah. did cry when I got home because no one died maybe people <laughs> cried <laughs> everyone cried <laughs> Alan what's uh, what's next
3: for you uh well this one's an interesting one um because we don't really know a huge amount about it still um it's uh the I, I don't know I guess the proposed new drivetrain from SRAM that we've mm. all seen that we've all kind of spotted. Um, loads of media outlets saw it at various different places. Uh, I was actually at the World Championships in Leger uh, in 2022 and saw it firsthand bolted to the mm. backs of people's bikes, particularly Nino Scherter, who you know, we were talking about earlier, won the UCI Men's uh, World Championships Cross Country, Olympic Cross Country. For the millionth time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was bolted to quite a few other people's bikes as well that were buzzing around the pits. Um, he crashed on it as well, didn't he? He, he did crash on drive it. Drive side. Yeah, yeah. yeah drive He's side. paid to do that, I heard. Yeah. yeah. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> bonus. Yeah. Right a, in front of the camera. Hey, guys. Bonus. Yeah. Hey, guys, film me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. So poor, poor Tom Pidcock uh, did did not get his drivetrain bonus from that one. He did crash as well several times. Anyway, we're we're kind of getting a bit bit carried mm. away there. So yeah, the, the new drivetrain. I mean, anything new is pretty exciting. What, what's new about it? We've said new drivetrain, new
1: drivetrain, new drivetrain. Yeah, what? new
3: drivetrain. Well, from the pictures and from having seen it in real life, it it looks like it does away with the derailleur hanger. Mm. It looks like there isn't one. I mean, you know, you, you can kind of... I'm looking at a photo directly in front of me here, and when I zoom right in, I mean, it's like a, a, a scene out of CSI. Um, <laughs> I depixelate. De- de- There's lots of like ones and zeros yeah, flying about yeah, as you right, like Yeah, it. exactly. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it looks like it does away with, with the derailleur hanger. Um, not entirely sure whether that's true or not, but... Um, and it utilises the UDH
0: bracket, right? The, the, the SRAM universal I mean, derailleur hanger?
3: I mean, that's what we can presume... Um, I mean, you know, SRAM launched the UDH, what was it, 2019, mm. 18 at Eurobike? And, you know, we we're all kind of like, when that came out, we were all sort of like chinny-scratching, mm. like, what's this about? And I don't know, I kind of personally thought that it was pre- a precursor to e um, e-bike um, chain tensioner. And this is what I was praying for. Right. And I, I don't think it's happened because I've, I've seen Yannick uh, Pond, Pontal, I think that's how you say his second name, who's Sram's black box mm. rider, also at the world champs. He wasn't racing the e bike there, buzzing around on a on an e bike with this new drivetrain. Um, but I, anyway, I was hoping, I was hoping it was an integrated gearbox and motor with, and that was like the chain tensioner. That's what oh, I, I see, thought it yeah. was going to be back in 2019. But clearly, it looks like a new drivetrain, uh, flat top chain. Yeah, Ooh, which like is the yeah. from the road bikes. Yep. Um looks like a fancy new cassette. Looking at the teeth, I'd say the second one has got a bit bigger because mm. um, the jump from 42 to 52 on Eagle. Crock! That's Eagle. You have to do that when you deploy <laughs> it. Um, That's yeah, Seagull. Yeah, no, it's you know. Seagull. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God damn it. That's why we go wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a big jump on that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, TBC, they've kind of gone a bit quiet already since the World Champs. That was, you know that's what we saw and since then haven't
0: really seen much else. other sites have speculated there's no adjusters
3: yeah so once again zooming in on the pictures you know you're really like... he's,
0: he's all in mm. he's there with his little brush Mate, uh, little I brush. Mean, he's I... throwing his fingerprint powder on it he's, <laughs> he's brushing it off
3: I, I took this photo I, I'll show you guys because it's a bit grace I took this photo myself and somehow I managed to get a guy's feet in it <laughs> <laughs>
0: so in flip flops, yeah, flip flops.
3: <laughs> shoes. Yeah, so w- 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 when you zoom in, if you go on bikeradar.com dot you you can see the photo I'm talking about, and it's it's Oakley, the one these Oakley flip flops. Credit, they are Oakley flip flops, and it's it's the photo that's credited to to me. <laughs> not and, a pro. <laughs> no, you could definitely tell tell that. Excuse me, Mister Flip Flops, um, <laughs> could you move? <laughs> <laughs> you-, you zoom in, and and um, you know, it doesn't look like there's any any kind of adjusters or anything on there. Uh, access, so there are batteries on there. Um, batteries look to be the same size as the current ones. I presume that probably makes sense, <laughs> seeing as they mm. made eight billion of them. Yeah. Um, I suspect. So I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm just up. guessing stuff. Probably. <laughs> I don't. I don't want the. Uh, don't want the SRAM to, to come in and whisk me away to, to the to the police or wherever for saying something. Take your free hat. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was wearing that today. It was cold. Very grateful for the free hat. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a uh, not a gifting kind or whatever the terminology is. <laughs>
0: so yeah anyway I'm
3: uh, very right. excited very you got, excited you got you know. a
2: onesie and a free hat yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh it's a bad day for Luke <laughs> I love my cheap bike <laughs> I mean he sat there in Patagucci isn't he? So yeah, you that is true he can't be yeah. complaining too much
3: yeah uh, maybe we should just do a little a little poll uh, how much of the clothing you're wearing today have you actually bought yourself oh uh, my entire bottom half okay
0: <laughs> Well, this is a free t-shirt from an event okay uh, and I got some free socks on. Okay. My right, shoes nice. have a hole in. Yeah. So I d- mm. yeah.
3: All Luke. of it, even the watch. Oh, right. Luke's a, Luke's a full house. <laughs> oh, I'm also
0: a full house. I, I even
3: the watch? Bought, even, no, uh, no, not the no, watch, no. no. Sorry, yeah, I shouldn't have. <laughs> I'll I hide that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, no, it's my, a test my, watch, my, though, so it's fine. I, it's, that is true. That is very true. You can see the review on Bikeradar.com. I really liked it. It cannibalized the use of my Garmin 830 Edge. Edge 830. There we go. No. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. mum bought my socks as well, so I didn't buy those.
1: The nice thing about you having um, spoken about the new SRAM stuff as your tech highlight for 2022 is that we can just use this clip for 2023 because we <laughs> yeah. presume it's going to be released. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll just we'll, cut and paste. This is the other thing. We don't have a clue when this is coming out. So it'll probably be next year, though, we would imagine. You guess so. I mean, if it's, if it's if... been raced, then the UCI regs suggest it has to be on sale within a year. Oh, right. That's a good rule. I believe. Well, certainly on the roadside, you can't have prototype stuff that's less than a year away from general release
3: really my understanding wow look at that yeah so so
1: it's sure this isn't a bike radar tech q a
3: because i've just learned something oh, there we go that was a q with an a there we go rob what's your
1: uh final tech highlight of the year?
0: well so um as you remember i went on that canyon launch where they showed us the new steering stabilizer thing which mm. was developed well which was invented by Um, the guy behind the brand Synthase, also Lightville Bikes, so the parts brand Synthase and Lightville Bikes, and it's being engineered and developed by Canyon. So it's going to be appearing on their Spectral CF-8 trail bike. Uh, Lightville will have it on their 301CE e-bike. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of bringing it up because more than anything, it's a really interesting innovation I'm not necessarily, you know, I spent one day on it so far. Mm. Um, So I can't say whether it's, you know, the best thing ever or not. It was a strange thing to ride initially and start to get used to. But as I said, um, when we did this really short podcast, Alan and I did it a little while ago. They recommend that you ride it for about a month in order to kind of get your head around it. So yeah, it's essentially a a steering stabilizer unit. So uh, two two springs sorry, fitted within your um, top tube that, um, are attached to this sort of fiber band that is attached to a cam that sits on your fork steerer and as you turn the bars there's a, a an equalizing force that's trying to pull the bars back to the center point it's designed so hopefully it'll add a bit of stability in rough terrain and um, potentially if you're climbing it'll help keep your uh, front wheel tracking on the line that you want it to yeah jury's out as to whether it's a uh, hit or a miss at the minute. I do have a bike coming, but I think my point here for bringing it up more than anything is that it's still great to see brands doing stuff that's kind of interesting and out there. Like you were saying about the, um, what you were hoping for from that, from the drivetrain, it being like an internal gearbox and e-bike motor all rolled into one and you were gutted. You didn't see it. So it's cool, but it is cool that, that brands are still willing to kind of stick their neck out and do something that is very different that, We're not seeing just small refinements and small changes. Sometimes stuff comes up, which does have everyone talking about whether it's positive or negative. And I think it was brave of uh, Canyon to get behind something that seems so out there Mm. at the time. And, you know, maybe in 10 years time, we'll all be riding around with these things attached to our bikes. going, God, I can't believe we did it, you know, rode without them. Or, Mm. Or maybe we won't, I don't know. But, it kind of just reminded me about when um, Chris Porter was pushing and pushing and pushing with the geometry. Same with Monraker, you know, over 10 years ago now, really pushing for those longer reaches, longer wheelbases, slacker head angles, all of those things, which we sort of just take for granted now. Mm. And it is brands that have to really be at the forefront of those of those um, quirky innovations and stand behind them. That, you know, that's that's when they'll sort of, I guess progress things a bit further so who knows who knows exactly where it will take us but yeah for me I think it was really cool to see those guys pushing something so different nice would you ride it
2: yeah
1: I mean I'd, I'd like to try it but I could probably try it by getting a bungee cord around the handlebars and around the back of the seat post give that a shot first. definitely tuned pretty pretty much identically
3: <laughs> you could, <laughs> you could, you could almost it. do it with, with smarties and a lazy band as well maybe I don't Ooh, know nice. as long as you eat a portion of the smartie off to turn it into a cam shape
1: no, i think i think it's interesting as you say like you need companies to sort of stick their neck out and do new things and even if it's a hit or a miss like for them to go and do that is is pretty brave and you don't get progress without people doing that there's a lot of bikes exactly. that you know we wouldn't be riding bikes as they are today without you know some even if it was rubbish sticking their neck out and trying yeah
0: totally you look at forward geometry and where that started with that 10 mil stem mm. and then how that's you know That didn't necessarily stick, but what happened was we got a compromise. So the stem stayed relatively short, but everything else increased. Front centers increased, head angles slackened. So maybe, maybe we'll see some slightly different iteration of this that will potentially do something similar, but maybe in a a more subtle way. I don't know. But as I said, for me, it's just nice to see brands still innovating and pushing these different ideas out there. Definitely. There we go. Nice. And Tom, what's your final
1: one? My final one, well, it was a, a highlight from the year was going on the Scott Genius launch. It was a, it was a great couple in of days. Case you like
3: holidays. It, <laughs> I mean work <laughs> trips.
1: Sorry. I worked very hard. Did a lot of content. I mean it was it was a great trip. I got to ride somewhere I'd never ridden before. I rode in Aosta and it is incredible there. It's really like really great. Um but also actually the bike itself was great. You know, I, th- I think they've done a good job. It's it sort of, it's it's a longer travel trail bike, quite an aggressive one. Some people will love it. Some people won't get on so much with it just because of the way it is. But it follows the sort of the silhouette of the Spark with having that, uh, the shock sort of inside the frame. And that, you know, I know it's not like a, a huge sort of, it's been done before, obviously, with the likes of Bold um, and, and, and the Spark. But I just think it's interesting. And I think it's sort of more interesting as to where it might lead down the line. One of the things that, detracts from the performance of a shock is when they they heat up so on longer travel b- uh, bikes and on longer descents the shock will get warmer so the oil inside will become less viscous so the damping changes over the course of a more viscous no less viscous when it gets warm i don't know
3: what a- viscous means oh, right. <laughs> 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 we're not cutting this bit out
1: uh, <laughs> It becomes less viscous, so it flows easier. Um, so the damping changes. Viscous, viscous. <laughs> <laughs> he thought you said biscuits. biscuits. Oh, biscuits. <laughs> yes. More biscuits. More biscuits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah got it. Um, and it's it's a challenge that, um, you know, the likes of Bold and Scott, if they decided to run this on on longer travel platforms, will have to tackle And I, I spoke to one of the guys from Fox, and I said, oh, you know, the, the, the genius is there's two models. One has a single can air shock in there, like the Fox nude. Uh, and then there's a Fox... Uh, float X Nude shock, which is a piggyback shock, um, and they've squeezed that into the Genius. And and it, it, it does warm up over, over the course of a long descent. And and obviously, without the airflow around the shock, the damping is more prone to being Im- impacted by the temperature. So obviously, if, if they were to, say, do a Ransom, like an Enduro bike with an internal shock, they're going to have to really think about how they get the airflow over it. But what causes the temperature to build up? It? Well, it's friction within the shock, right? So, so the oil seals, the air seals, all this sort of stuff. And so I because the shock is hidden from the dirt and the grime, it makes me think maybe down the line there'll be an option for them to run, say, shock, shocks with less sealing, which will give less friction, less heat buildup, and more consistent performance. So or maybe sort of, a hairdryer on cold. Hair dryer on cold, yeah. dryer run cold extractor
2: fans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like if, they was, could put them outside the frame as well. Is it not really suitable for coil shocks then? The long travel bikes, they'll just be coil only. Uh
1: potentially. They don't have a coil option for the genius. Um, because it's a a custom shock with uh, with the twin lock.
0: Can I just interject Luke has a really good joke about extractor fans. Is he? But it's long. We'd have to do a separate podcast for <laughs> I got it. got a couple for of long is This is a or shorts. Gets. It's, not short. It's, it's not, short. not short. it's not short. <laughs> it's not short. It will be <laughs> full a full episode.
1: Yeah, it's full Monday feature episode.
0: <laughs> but honestly, it's like the only joke I remember. It's brilliant.
1: Should we serialize it every Friday for 4 weeks? You get you get another another 2 minutes of Luke's <laughs> joke. <laughs> it's Collect good. them all.
3: It is good. Like a cereal, a cereal toy. Sorry to interrupt. I've forgotten about that joke. I'm
1: trying to remember it
0: now. <laughs> I told it. I told it on a, on, on a ride. Yeah, it's good.
3: The
1: full no ride. Laughed.
0: Yeah, no laugh, laughed. But yeah, everyone's tired, packed up. <laughs> gone home. Just to just get to the punchline. Last one had just driven off. You like, enjoyed yourself. I had a great time.
1: Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, uh, sorry, that. yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was that was that was it really. The genius. I just thought it was interesting. I like the fact that it's hidden. I think it looks kind of cool, and I think it could be interesting as to where the technology might lead us to to shocks that are a bit more, uh, well, loosey maybe, goosey, loosey goosey. Yeah. Maybe need less service in less whatevers. It's kind of cool, and also uh, from an aesthetic point of view, I thought it was one of the best looking bikes that's been launched in many many years. I think it's a great looking bike. The downside of that, of course, is that they have routed cables through the headset, which classic that old chestnut <sighs> yeah, yeah yeah there it is it's a pain it's a pain it's a pain if you have to change i mean I, I i talked to a brand about this recently and it is a pain if you're constantly changing like rear mech outers and constantly changing brakes if you're not doing that i mean realistically until you sort of change your brakes you're not gonna have to do the rear hose ever because you bleed it from the bars and if you are changing the gear cable in you are not doing every ride, rider yeah
0: i also brought this up with the brand and they said you know if you're buying through a shop and you want to change bar height and stuff like that that's the sort of support that they should be providing should anyway be offering, yeah. so yeah
1: and the other event is there's there's a lot of things about cable wear that reduced and like the the friction of the steering can be reduced because it's sort of just the way it, the way like it is concentric less, to the pivot yeah the, the, access pivot yeah. but so, you
0: do have to potentially have extras inside like sleeves in which to protect from rub. Yes, there was a whole thing with
3: the road bikes wasn't there? I mm. can't remember which brand it was but there was a big recall on steerer tubes getting um, worn away basically from oh, cable okay. rub
1: yeah.
0: um, which could potentially be an issue on the old mountain bike side. I had it on an old long term bike when I guess when droppers were just becoming a thing and it was one of the first bikes I think all the cables were external bar the dropper and it ran in straight past the steerer, And at the end of the year, when I was taking the bike apart, there's was a massive groove worn in the mm, steerage. Just chair. where you need it. Perfect, yes. Yeah. A bit of weight saving. Well, I figured, you know, the, the the front brake hose should hold it all in place. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it does, Worst yeah. case, when it starts to separate, it's all right. Brake's holding it in. Did
3: you have an inner tube uh, strapped between your fork crown and the
0: arch? I borrowed Tom's bungees. Oh, okay. Yeah. the <laughs> stabilizer, yeah. <laughs> just got them in place. Yeah. yeah. And then, worst case, just, just grab it. Yeah. As it goes. Yeah.
3: yeah. Like a T bog, but for the front. Yeah. Mm. yeah.
0: Yeah. Grab the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Got
3: gloves on. that's fine.
1: Yeah. Well, there we go. So I think uh... <laughs> that's. <laughs> let's cut that off right here thank you ever so much guys for your your tech highlights um obviously over the the course of the next few weeks on bike radar there'll be a, a whole raft of articles looking back at 2022 and looking forward to 2023 as well there will also be a podcast looking forward to 2023 so keep your eyes out for that uh, and in the meantime thanks ever so much for listening to bike radar podcast over the past year it's been very much appreciated because our numbers have gone through the roof um so thank you rob <laughs> <laughs> please keep listening <laughs> thank Jeez you till. rob thank you al and thank you luke Thank you.
2: Thank you. Cheers, Tom.
1: Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.